Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Uh, you can watch us on the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. The second hour is going to be the time if you would like to call in. Again, all kinds of things going on um, to, to discuss. We'll be doing mostly interviews in this hour. Uh, we'll be talking with UL men's basketball coach Bob Marlin, as well as Michael Schwab from the Juice Box Journal about the Astros. See if um, they're about to play six games at home. And uh, we'll see if they can score any runs against the Rangers and the A's who suddenly own the Astros. Um and it's funny because the Astros have done well against their division this year. But they've got, like, I saw it the other day, like the fourth maybe. I think it was the fourth best record in Major League Baseball against their own division. And normally they're either, like, one or two. Normally they just totally dominate the division. But they've lost a lot of games this year to the A's in particular. Well, they've lost, they lost six to the Mariners. Oh, no, seven. Because they, they lost, I think they lost seven to the Mariners, and they lost um, way more than they should have, five or six to the A's, who were just putrid. So we'll see how. Did pretty well against the little MVPs, but uh, didn't do so well against the A's and ended up fine with the Mariners. They were six and six. And then what did they win? Six of the last seven. So overall that against a team that has a winning record right now and would be in the playoffs if the season ended uh, and who has beaten the Yankees two out of four. But I, again, I was a little surprised the first time um, the Yankees crushed Logan Gilbert again last night. That's the second time in a week they did that. And they um, that was a little bit surprising. And even Judge's home run was on a pitch that wasn't that bad. Normally, most of his home runs seem like they just put it on a tee for him, and I, I still don't understand why that why they keep challenging that guy. I don't understand that at all because he's proven that challenging him is not a good plan. Um, but that it, the pitch was relatively low and on the outside corner, so that that was you know at that point you got to just give. Uh, Judge Max credit for that home run. Now, of course, if you didn't, if you missed it last night, the Yankees got a big injury, and so we'll see how um, Matt Carpenter hit a ball off of his foot. They said he broke his foot. Um, you know, I. Trying to judge what that's going to mean. Could be a month, could be two months. I guess it depends on what kind of fracture it is. You know, I don't know all those details. But but it sounds like, you know, most of the regular season that's left, if not all of it, he's not going to be there. 
probably most. I, I would think he could maybe come back. But you just wonder when you miss a month or whatever, five weeks or just throwing out numbers that might be close to being real. Um, this time of the year, you know, what kind of groove are you going to be in? Like, how are you going to come back? There's not a whole lot of time there to say, you know, let's say he's out five weeks. I mean, it's not going to be much time um, to get a swing smooth back to where it was because he is just – man, can you imagine if Matt Carpenter had played with the Yankees this year like he did with the Cardinals the last two seasons, which was terrible? Which was terrible. And then now he goes to the Yankees and he's become, you know, he was just on fire. They'd have had some issues without Carpenter's bailed him out in a lot of ways. So, especially, uh, you know, Rizzo is out right now. They they certainly need one or both. They need both of them for, for their lineup, I would think. So, we'll see tonight. Uh, premier matchup Garrett Cole against Louis Castilla. And you know Castillo pitched great last time they when they faced each other. Well, when when they when he beat the Yankees last week, and so we'll see what how the how the Mariners do in this matchup. The Padres they won the first game after the trade. They have not won a game since. They haven't scored a run in in the last two games. Haven't scored a run. In these last two games. Um, what is with all the one? Have you noticed? All, there were two one to nothing games last night. There were, you know, the, the Yankees beat the, I mean, the the Cardinals beat the Yankees one to nothing over the weekend. And the Astros lost one to nothing on Sunday. Man, that's a that's there's been a and it might have been one or two more that I'm not there's been a flurry of one to nothing games lately. I don't know what goes into that. Seemed like the bullpens would start to to struggle more than that this time of the year, but um been some really good pitching and it could be on paper some really good pitching tonight at Minute Maid Park where Martin for Perez is going against Jose Arquiti who's been on fire. Of late, and as we mentioned yesterday, Martin Perez absolutely owns the Astros. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, a little bit of a scare yesterday. Shortly after we got off the air, you heard the news, or, or people were commenting about the fact that um, Jameis Winston left Saints camp with a supposedly he rolled his ankle. Then they said a foot injury. It's all, I guess. You know, depends on which one you believe or what's true. But all indications are it's not a big deal. But the only thing that I, you know, that you kind of keep in the back of your mind is that is he, has he become injury prone? And you hope not. It's not like his, you know, he played most of five seasons and he had one year where he missed a few games, a handful of games, or, you know, maybe about half the season or close to half the season. But, he was healthy the rest of the time. It wasn't like he was an injury-prone player his first five years in the league. So hopefully this is nothing. But we'll see how how all that plays out uh, with Jameis. And obviously it's just it's just critical, um, just just a critical deal because 
while I appreciate Andy Dalton's, you know, experience in the league and, and he probably knows the game well, I'm I'm not quite as high on Andy Dalton as a lot of other people are. So, uh, you know, you would really lose a big chunk of the offense if Andy Dalton was in there. Uh, I know everybody's praising how good he looked and all the many. I, I, I don't I don't want to see Andy Dalton play other than coming in the game at the end maybe and, and handing the ball off. I don't I'm not not a huge Andy Dalton guy. I I think you would lose a a huge chunk of your offense if if that happened. And so we they you know the Saints obviously like like most teams in the league really need their starting quarterback to stay healthy. And, you know, there's there are very few teams in the league that would say, oh, if our starting quarterback got hurt, it wouldn't be that big a deal. And most of them, you kind of want your starting quarterback to play. And the Saints are, are not unique to that situation. And and to be fair, the Saints have probably got a better quarterback, backup quarterback than some. Uh, speaking of backup quarterbacks, it's funny because yesterday we'd, we had com- just commented in passing about how all the reports coming out of Seattle were were that Geno Smith, you know, would take well he has. He's taken all the first team reps so far. And so the talk the thought process was, well, Geno Smith is uh gonna be the starting quarterback. Well, yesterday a report came out that um that might not be the case. And that Locke they had a mock game, whatever that is. I guess it's a, like a, their version of an inter-squad scrimmage and kind of like a, they, they do in, um, you know, college or you, or you, I guess, an in-house version of what some of these teams do at times where they go play another team in camp. And, uh, and they said that Locke, all the reports that came out of that was that Locke clearly outplayed you know, Smith. Now, that's one little scrimmage that, you know, that doesn't mean that's going to, that's how it's going to turn out long term. But um, just something to keep an eye on. Now, again, it's like I've said this before. The, the, there is one good thing about not having a really good quarterback, starting quarterback. The, the one good thing about not having a really good starting quarterback is if he gets hurt, you don't lose that much with your backup. Now, Seattle would be in that situation. Let's say they they start Geno Smith or um, or they start Locke. Um, there's not – when you're – if one of them, whoever they end up starting, gets hurt, it's not like you, you're, you're, you're getting a much worse quarterback to come in to replace them. It's, it's you know – they're they're roughly the same kind of quarterback. Now I still think Locke has more long his ceiling is higher than Geno Smith. I mean, we know Geno Smith's been in the league long enough. We know what Geno Smith's um ceiling is. Locke, once again, people just can't think out. They can't think past their nose, most people. And so, um, you know, they don't no one factors in that. He's had played with bad offensive line his time in Denver, different offensive coordinators every year, and and not, you know, their, their offense hasn't been good since 
the year before the Super Bowl. The year since the year before they won the Super Bowl. So it's been a while. Um and so it's going to, you know, they I think they're right. The offensive line has gotten better. They've got good running back situation. If if Jerry Judy is any good at all, and the, I still think the jury's out on him. He's he's been very disappointing since they drafted that cat. Very disappointing. And they all rave about his skill set and his route run. He just drops too many passes. He's got to catch the ball, cat. I mean, he didn't he didn't he didn't catch the ball. And then now Patrick is already out, so we'll see what they do there. But uh, I still think Locke has long-term potential. But, that again, that's the one good thing about not having a great starting quarterback is if he gets hurt, the backup is not too much of a fall-off. So we'll see how that how, how that um, pl- plays out. Uh, and, no, but the Saints are in this situation where there's a huge fall-off. The, uh, the other thing in the NFL that I wanted that, – that you never know of these reports you get in camp how accurate they are. But uh, when Raymond was interviewing Fletcher, the most interesting thing that I heard was he was kind of raving about Adam Troutman. <clears throat> it's still a mate, and I understand we're all prisoners to the moment, in the moment, to a certain extent, and I'm, in, I'm no different. But it amazes me how many people were willing to make a generalization or a decision on the future of a player, of a, on an offensive player from the 2021 New Orleans Saints. Does, does anybody realize how messed up the offensive situation was for the Saints last year? They had no kicker, which impacts the offense. They had offensive line injured all season long. They, had, they played four different quarterbacks. They had wide receiving core was not good. It was decimated with injuries as well and not good. That, you know, they didn't even have their offensive coaches for two of the games. Maybe even more. It was a complete mess. How could anybody judge anyone's long-term future of an offensive player based on last season? That just boggles my mind. It just, I just don't understand it. Doesn't make any sense to me. Completely different situation this year. Completely different situation this year, assuming they don't have another historic rash of injuries. Completely different. So uh try to keep that in mind. And we'll we'll discuss a first a first cousin version of that in the second hour. For now, we'll take a timeout. When we come back, we'll shift gears and talk a little Cajun basketball with UL men's basketball coach Bob Moreland next on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Kevin Foote, an award-winning journalist, popular sports talk show host, and a man who apparently moonlights as a doctor. A medicine season of a different strand in 12, obviously, because the criminal commissioner decided to inflict them with, with the, the whole bounty gate silliness. His descriptions of illnesses are extremely concise. Not a normal strand of a medicine season. It was a different strand. This out of the blue from Timbuktu and all of this bounty gate silliness. Dr. Foote is ready to write a prescription for what ails your favorite team. 
here with more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Uh, the Astros getaway four is coming up, running out of time to register and potentially win on Saturday, August 27th. Astros will be taking on the Baltimore Orioles. You could win four tickets to that game, a tour minute made park, and hotel accommodations. Thanks to Butcher Air Condition, La Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. But first, you must register for the game clubhouse. Once you do, could win Astro Giveaway 4. Again, Saturday, 27th, Orioles and Astros. All right. Right now, we have with us UL men's basketball coach, Bob Marlin. And congratulations, coach, on your, on your Cardinal sweep of the Yankees this past weekend. Oh, thank you. I, I was about to say we've helped the Astro fans and, and you guys out a little bit this past weekend. And it's amazing, Kevin. I just told my son last week, you know, we swept swept the Cubs and we played 500 baseball the month before and then Yadier Molina comes back and what a difference he's made. I mean, we had an undefeated week and uh, just his presence on the field. It's like having a great point guard. It makes a huge difference. Uh, absolutely uh it does and you know you've got some exciting players and you know no one was in the offseason was talking about you know or, or leading up to the trade deadline was talking about Jordan Montgomery and the, you know like they were talking about Luis Castillo and a few of these other pitchers but you know he was a solid pitcher and if he keeps pitching anything like he did already that he's going to help the Cardinals yeah I think so too Kevin we tried to make a play for Castillo but being in the division with the Reds I don't think that was going to really happen but I've watched him pitch against us enough to know that he's really talented and I thought Montgomery made a good uh, first uh, opportunity uh, to to our advantage when he came out and pitched well against his former team so between him and Matt Carpenter coming back it was pretty emotional weekend you know I know historically the old rivalry is the Cubs and the Cardinals, but in the last decade or so, it's the Cardinals and the Reds hate each other. I think more than the Cubs and the Cardinals do yeah, as organizations. They, they to the benches a couple times yeah. over the years, and uh, you know, I remember Rusty Larue, our backup catcher, got a concussion one one time. We got in a big brawl with those guys, right? But no, baseball's heating up, and and uh, Cardinals have been fun to watch, as well as some of the other teams. And I haven't seen the Astros as much, but I know they just keep winning. Uh, and I guess they're the only team that can that can beat Seattle in July, right? Well, so far we'll see. They got long, still fifty something games to go. We'll see what happens. All right, Coach, uh, y'all are going to be uh, going to Puerto Rico, and those, the, you know, obviously. Uh, you know, you've done, you've experienced these things. A couple of questions that I have that kind of fascinate me. Like when you, when you're in those kind of off season international exhibition type situations, do you go into those games? Like, is there some sort of understanding? Well, we want the games officiated this way to give our kids experience. Like how does that normally work? Well, the rules are different from an international standpoint. We'll use uh, an international basketball. We'll, we'll play 14-minute quarters, which every 
basketball league in, in the world does, I believe, except for college basketball, the two 20-minute halves, and that's going to change. But uh, the, the, the lanes are different size. There are a couple of things that are different. The foul situation is different also, and we'll, we'll have to uh, adjust for that. Uh, as we go into it, but it, it's it's a good opportunity to go compete and try to learn a little bit more about our team, uh, tinker with a couple of different lineups, and see if all the hard work we put in the summer uh, is paying off. But is it a, is it is it your experience where they just kind of let the players play, or do they do the opposite and, and call a bunch of fouls to get you and, and fairly closely to get you prepared for that scenario? No, they. Uh, It'll be called differently a little bit. And, you know, not only you're on the road, but you're in another country. At least we're in U.S. territory, right? Uh, I can remember the second game we played in Cuba, there was a female official. And uh, uh, as well as the other guy, they just weren't very good. I mean, and they didn't speak English. And when I got a little flustered, you know, they don't understand. So you, you can't... Uh, put too much emphasis on the officiating. You just got to worry about how you play. All right. One of the guy, you know, you, you, you have four newcomers and the one that really intrigues me is Themis folks. And for someone who's going to be kind of like you mentioned, a quarterback, you know, kind of like a quarterback of a team or the point guard of a team, uh, how important, obviously the summer's important, but how important could a trip like this be for him? It's, it's going to be really important. He's been up the office the last week watching film with the coaching staff every afternoon and trying to learn and get better. But uh, he's had a good summer, and uh, he's fitting well with our team, as, as the other guys have. And I know he's looking forward to the opportunity to play and get some experience and seeing what it's like in a game to be coached by the staff. You know, it's been a position that has been something you've been trying to feel. How much of a missing piece do you think he can be? Well, I think he's huge. Uh, you know, he's second-team All-American. He was a regional tournament MVP. A lot of people thought he was the best point guard in junior college in Kansas, which is a, a very well-respected state, as we know. Uh, and he's a winner. He, he's won everywhere he's been, and he can really score the ball, but he's more concerned about assist-to-turnover ratio. And then he gets to the free-throw line a lot, Kevin. I think he finished 11th in the country in junior college in free throws attempted. So he's putting pressure on the defense at the basket, and he's strong, and that's one thing that I really like about him. Uh, the uh, the first guy you signed been getting to be quite a while ago now, Chancellor White. Who who is he kind of like that maybe Cajun fans could remember dur- during your career, or is he or, or is he really kind of a unique kind of score that y'all haven't had the way he scores in a while? Uh, yeah, he, he is a little bit different. Uh, you know, with Kobe Julian being out early, Kevin, he's really got a chance to step up, and I talked to him about that. He was at the Monroe game here in February with his dad and watched us be ULM, and then the next day we had lunch before they drove back to Houston and told him to be prepared and be ready. And sure enough, you know, I had to call him, what, about three weeks later and say, hey, the opportunity's there for sure now because Kobe had gotten injured. But he is about 6'6", 185. He's, he's long. He can score off the bounce. He can get to the rim. He can pull up. And he's really improved his three-point shot this summer. Uh, he is 
been much improved as every player on our team has, but Chancellor's one that really stepped up this summer and has impressed our staff. So how much is what he does? Obviously it's all, I know it all matters, but it, it is, can a trip like this really increase his chances of getting significant playing time? Or is that something that you won't be able to kind of not happen until you get to like November, or, you know, October, November practicing? Well, I feel like he's going to get significant playing time next fall. I really do. You know, with Kobe being out, he's got an opportunity. He's bigger than Kentrell and Jalen and, and Greg, our other wings, uh, as far as height and length. So we need a guy like him to, to play that, that wing position. Chancellor's versatile, too. He could play really two through four, Kevin. So uh, good defensively. Uh, and getting better in that area, and he's gotten stronger with Oliver Houston, our strength coach this summer. Speaking with UL men's basketball coach Bob Marlin, I've gotten a chance to talk to uh, uh, Sagona and Chancellor and Thema's folks. I have not uh, gotten a chance to meet Kyron Ratliff. Tell me a little bit about him. Well, it's a whirlwind recruiting. He was in the 22 class last year as a senior or junior. He reclassed to 23. Then he turned around, and we got tipped off that he was going to come back, come out in this 22 class. So he was playing for uh, the uh, New Orleans team, Florida League, at Peach Jam and the uh, EYBL Championship Tournament. And when that was over and he got back the last week of July, he was able to visit after that. And we, we were fortunate and got the first visit of many, and he came in, uh, got him committed, and uh, canceled his other visits, went back, signed, went back home, moved in the, to the apartments that weekend on campus and got a physical on Monday, and he's practiced for the last week. And he's done a really good job, uh, Kevin. He's about 6'8", 201. He's got to get stronger. Looks similar to what Joe Washington or Joe Charles looked like a year ago. Uh, but he's gotten... He's got good length. He can protect the rim. He can make a shot. I think he's going to be a very good four-man for us in the future. And how much he'll play this year, I'm not sure, but I feel comfortable playing him. And this will be a good trip to really see what he can do because we've only seen him for a week. So great young man, uh, and he's a type of person. He's a little bit different player, but he's the type of person Bryce Washington was that it, he could have a four great four-year career here if he chooses to do so all right so when the season ended last season and y'all met as a staff and you determined okay we need to get this this and this like what were this this and this in terms of what you needed and then did you address and were you able with these four signees to or additions to check all those boxes yeah we certainly did and we were very patient kevin uh from a staff standpoint recruiting and just stayed involved and, and on the phones and worked out good because we had a spot open and we were able to pick up Kyra, who's a very good player. So that's just one example. But, uh, yeah, we filled the spots that we needed. We had a couple of guys that uh, moved on, uh, you know, and Theo Kuba was one. We knew that he was going to probably go overseas and play. I did not know he was going to the transfer portal. Uh, but that, that wound up taking place. And, uh, you know, that's not the worst situation in the world for us either because we got the preseason player of the year back, in my opinion, in Jordan Brown. One more thing, Coach, before we let you go and you can continue to plan for this big trip is um, 
you know, it's going to be a really kind of strange year in the Sun Belt or new. You've got all, you know, new teams coming in. The schedule's going to be a little different. How comfortable are you uh, with how all of that has played out so far? And uh, how much of an unknown does that kind of put on this whole, you know, offseason as y'all continue to progress in it? Well, we continue to just improve on a daily and weekly, monthly basis, Kevin, and, and get ourselves positioned to play our best basketball in March. The additions of the new teams, certainly the only team on, on our side is uh, that's new, I should say, that we picked up is Southern Miss. And we were scheduled, if you remember, we went to Southern Miss last year. They owed us a home game this year. That game got wiped off the board because now it's a conference game. But uh, the other side, the addition of James Madison with Mark Byington, uh, Old Dominion with Jeff Jones, who's an outstanding coach, and then, and then Marshall with uh, Dan Dan uh, Dan Tony. Uh, all those coaches are, are really good coaches. Uh, they support basketball at those three schools better than any teams in our league. So it'll be a challenge uh, to to play against uh, 13 other teams and have a 14-team league, but uh, I don't think it'll be a big difference. We had great league meetings in basketball and hope to have more games televised this year and look forward to a, a great Sunbelt season. All right, Coach, look, look great catching up with you, and uh, pre- we appreciate it and look forward to the report when y'all get back. Thank you very much, and y'all be safe. Thanks, Kevin. All right, UL men's basketball coach Bob Marlin. You know, point guard has been an, an issue, and uh, folks is very. You know, I, when I interviewed him, he, he very, very, very confident, and so look forward to seeing how he can progress when we get into basketball season in the fall. But right now, it's still baseball season. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back talk Houston Astros with our good friend Michael Schwab from the Juice Box Journal. We'll do that after this time out on the game, 103.7. Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana. Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The cheaters. Cheaters. The famed hated rival that beat the New Orleans Saints and others so many times in the 80s and 90s by cheating. Also known as the San Francisco 49ers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Live here. 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Don't forget Astros Rangers tonight. Minute Maid Park, 710 first pitch. You can hear all that action right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We have with us now our good friend Michael Schwab. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm feeling great. Rest and relaxed. Time to watch some Strohs. That's how I feel. How are you doing, Foot? Well, you know, some's got to give in this game tonight. Uh, the Astros, in my mind, I mean, I, I know they scored a run in the ninth inning off Class A, which is good, but in, and effectively they got shut out the last two games, and they're facing a pitcher in Martin Perez who owns the Astros in his career, and especially of late, and he's facing Jose Urquidy, who leads the major leagues in, or one of the major league leaders in runs scored when he starts. So something's got to give here. Oh, absolutely. 
And I think there's a lot of things that are lining up for the Astros. I feel historically they've been doing very well against the Rangers, especially this year. And now we're at Minute Maid Park, which I'm hoping we're going to see some Crawford box hits tonight, especially for Trey Mancini, who's been showing off some homers of late. But I think it'll be interesting. This this year, it seems like the Astros against you know pitchers who have ERAs five and above can't do work. But in the good ones, they can get things done. So tonight, it's going to be a Jekyll Hyde moment. Are they going to show up and just shell out against Perez, or are they going to look like they normally do against him? Uh, I'm hopeful that the bats wake up. So, you know, all that really matters is do you hit in the postseason? I mean, we all know that over the course of 162 games, every team, even great hitting teams like the Yankees, you know, you, you, you have your stretches where you don't score runs and you go into slumps. But for the most part, this has been a an underwhelming offensive season. We're starting to sniff mid-August. I mean, are you I mean, can they snap out of this and become a good offensive team for the postseason? Or is how close are you to saying, well, this team just is what it is offensively this year? I mean, I, I think it's a law of averages. Right, and the biggest thing that stood out to me this year, more than years prior, is how horrid the batting averages have been for the whole team. I mean, everyone's practically under 250. Yet, I mean, they're still scoring runs. They're still doing great work on the base pass. You know, Yuli's getting doubles. You know, Jordan's hitting homers. Um, but historically, their batting average is way down, and so they're not con- getting contact as best as they've done before. I think a lot of that has to do with just. Personally, when you lost Correa from the lineup, who was just a great five or six hitter, who just always, no matter what, you know, would get a hit, got everyone riled up, that's what you're missing right now. And Brantley, for example, yeah. is an incredibly uh, hit, a contact hitter who does, who's, no matter what, except for outside of Yuli last year, he was always leading the team in batting averages. So that, that's really been my worry all year. And, and, you know, if you're not hitting great in the regular season, you're going to hit even worse in the postseason. That's just how it works. So this has been a pitching team from the start until now. Well, we've seen it, and they're doing tremendously well as the pitching. Pitching will do well in the playoffs. That will get you far. But it is a worry of mine, Kevin. I, I, I just I, I want to see them be able to hit more. I want to see extra base hits. I want them to be able to get um, – runners in scoring position, which they've been tremendously terrible at this year. So it's it's definitely a two-headed monster more than we've seen before. All right, we're speaking with Michael Schwab of the Juice Box Journal. So if Brantley doesn't come back, which I think most people are starting to face that reality that it, there's a much better chance that you know he may not come back uh, than, than we were thinking a month ago, Is this does it really come down to Ken Alidmus Diaz, you know, uh, continue this because a lot of us were like, oh, man, they need to get another outfielder in addition to Mancini, who's actually looking more like a first baseman than an outfielder. I don't know how much of an outfield solution he's going to be. We'll see how that plays out. But 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 Alidmus Diaz has been swinging a hot bat. Can he become that almost everyday left fielder and it work long term, you think? Yeah, I, I think he's been a, a pleasant surprise. This year, I mean, they've played him at left field, 
I, I need to check the stats, but I feel like they've played him in the outfield more than the infield this year. And a lot of that has been from injuries and everything. And that's been something that's been really good for them to see. And he's got nine homers, 27 RBI. I mean, his OPS is 724, which is very well, very well. And I so I, I agree he stepped up not to Brantley's spot, but he's at least pulling some weight from that position. Maybe close a little bit to Crea's numbers. Now, the Mancini trade is interesting because he only played 13 um, starts in the outfield between left and right field, only three in left field. He'd do fine in left field at, at Minute Maid because of the short porch. If Jordan can play it, Mancini can. But I think they brought him to fill that bat, not, specific, not uh, particularly the position of left field, but the fill brantley's bat and that's the hope for mancini is that he can drive and run and do work now i don't know if he's going to have batting average as as brantley was and it's tough to lose a two hitter like he was he was a perfect two hitter but you know it also makes me feel a little bit frustrated that the team didn't go after another outfielder even though diaz can play that role and that mancini can help as well i feel like they needed one more bat Oh no! They, yeah, they, they, they definitely did. And, and here's the other concern that I have offensively. Like Yuli's not done well, but there's always that hope. Well, maybe he could get hot. Well, but he's not gonna. Is he gonna be able to play enough to get hot? And you, and, and you, and you, and and I like the Christian Vasquez picked up, but Christian was normally playing most of the time. What kind of offensive player is he gonna be when he's hardly playing anymore? And so I, I, I'm worried that you're down the stretch. You're not going to get anything at all from Yuli or Vasquez offensively. Well, I mean, that, it's a great point. I mean, what's the best thing for hitters is to be able to be in the lineup as much as they can. And you're right. Christian Vasquez was playing an incredible amount for Red Sox. He was their starting catcher. But, you know, this is the thing about Dusty is he prioritizes his players and he prioritizes the history, and so he's always going to give Yuli the starts, which, you know, I'm biased to that because I love Yuli. But, you know, Yuli had a decent July, you know, where he hit 289, which I think is really good. He's using 700s for his OPS. So he's stepping it up. But right now he's at 182 for August. And, you know, and as you and I have talked about before, just the doldrums of August for the Astros is just the worst. It's the, this is the worst time for this team historically. Um, I just I'm really curious to see how Dusty's going to do this load management. How much is he going to put Mancini at first or DH? How much is Vasquez going to play? I mean, Vasquez is hitting 111 right now, and a lot of that is just adjusting to a new team. He didn't seem too high, happy to be with the Astros. Right. I think he wants to win. Um, so it's you know this is going to be a weird weird month. I think uh, they're going to try out a lot of lineups. Uh, but by the end of it, we'll see kind of how everyone's going to really look once we get closer to playoffs. All right. On the other side, Will Smith. It, that was a trade that a lot of people kind of caught people off guard and seemed a bit strange. Odorizzi didn't do too well in his first outing with, with the Braves. Will Smith's problem this year has been throwing strikes. In his outing so far in Houston, he's thrown strikes. Now he's given up some hits, but he's at least thrown strikes. So what are you thinking with him? Well, I mean <laughs> – they must have saw something when when they were trading for him, because if you saw if you got to Twitter and you looked at what everyone said, especially Braves fans, they were cheering when Will Smith was gone. 
Now, you and I talked about this, I think, last week or the year before, or week before, but, you know, Will Smith in the playoffs is a different person. He, is, he throws strikes. He doesn't get run scored. He's, he's shut down. During this season, it's another story. Well, so far, I mean, he's looking pretty good in August. I mean, he's got an ERA of three, and that's over three starts. Yeah, he was only allowed one run, and that was off a of homer. But, you know, it wasn't a bad pitch. All, all that's happened so far. So, I mean, they must have seen something and adjusted something with Will Smith that's allowing him to throw strikes. It's allowing him to be painting the corners much better. Um, if he ends up, you know, not allowing much runs into the playoffs, you know, this is a big win that no one expected. And even Jake, you saw Jake or Iterizzi start. He didn't do great. I think he allowed six runs for the Braves. So right now this is looking like a win-win. All right, one more kind of two-headed monster question on the way out. When do you think McCullers will pitch for the Astros? And do you think Hunter Brown will have a role in September and potentially into October or no? Okay, so number one, if, if Lance could pitch tomorrow, he would. And I talked to Lance McCullers about this. I asked him, when are you ready? And he said, I'm ready to be done with, you know, this rehab assignment. So it's all up to what the trainers say. It's all up to what all the front office says. Is he ready? He says he is. They may want to get another rehab start out of him. Maybe they want to just bring him up and bring him to Oakland in a pretty safe situation. It's hard to say. But he's going to be in August. So I could see one or two rehab starts and then on the team, or he's out here. It's really hard to say, but we'll see him soon. In regard to Hunter Brown, I think everything's leaning towards him coming up in September. There's a couple of reasons why. The roster's expand to 28. We're at 26 right now. And also, there's a minimum of 13 pitchers, but in, tw- in September it can go up to 14. So there's a high probability that Hunter Brown may be one of those prospects that comes up. And I think what they do, and you'll see, you're, you've been seeing this in the minors right now, they've been using him in starts, but they've also been using him in long relief to test him for uh, the for the majors. I think he gets his chance to come up and he'll be a long reliever. He'll take that Seth Martinez, the lack position, and he'll do great in it. It's my opinion. And also it's, it's best for them to try and move him up as soon as possible because he's rule five draft worthy. So by November, they're going to have to put him on the 40 man anyway, or else he can get picked up as a rule five draft. So I think we see McCullers in the next few weeks. And then I see, think we see Hunter Brown in September. All right. Well, here's to a great offensive week. Um, uh, we we, we kind of need it. So hopefully uh, somebody can start driving the ball and they can hit uh, at home. Should be lots of fun. I appreciate your time as always, sir. Thank you very much. Thanks, Kevin. Have a good one. Take care. You too. Michael Schwab. And look, I, I think McCullers will be back soon. That makes sense. And I could see I, I, I'm a big fan of the 5-4 thing with pitchers, and it saves your bullpen some. So Hunter Brown can can maybe help that happen all right we'll take a timeout finish out the first hour next on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles welcome back to footnotes kevin foot on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles want to remind you about the black pot cook-off the orneville volunteer fire department's hosting a black pot cook-off on saturday september the 10th 
Cooking begins at 8 a.m. Eating starts at noon at the Flower Auditorium in Orneville. There'll be plenty of live music, including Gerald Grunig and Gentile Zydeco, Dustin Sonier, and Sweet Cecilia. For more information, visit ornevillefire.org. Saw a breaking news alert during the break. Chris Sale, Red Sox left-handed pitcher, is out for the season after a bicycle accident with his wrist. Like, you Oh, them Red Sox fans, they got to be going, you got to be kidding me. And it's always something with that guy. Chris Sale. You know, I, I remember when he came up with the White Sox, I was pretty high on him. Had him on a fantasy team, had a really good early year. And it's not like he didn't have, he hasn't had any success, but he's pretty much been a, just a bad news waiting to happen for the last few years. Just never seems to, to get any better. And I'm pretty sure the Yankees played a Red Sox this weekend. So it'll be interesting to see if they can put up a little bit of a fight. Of course, they won more games when they were really at their worst over the Yankees than than you would have thought they would have. Um, that was kind of a bad sign to me when they split that four-game series, where it was about three weeks ago or so. We'll see how, how it plays out. But it doesn't look like the pitching for the Red Sox is going to get any better anytime soon. That'll do it for the first hour. Another hour to follow. We'll have open phone lines after a heavy interview hour in hour number two. We'll do that on the other side. Stay tuned. Misfits Dine and Drink is a destination restaurant in Broussard, just south of La Triomphe on the Axis Road off Evangeline Thruway. They are serving a full lunch and dinner menu featuring Cajun-influenced Italian dishes. Misfits is always adding inspired new items along with pairing them with new wines. Try Misfits Pasta. It's penne pasta with Louisiana shrimp, crawfish, and a spicy Alfredo sauce. It's already a local favorite. So you haven't eaten there yet? Well, treat yourself this week. Busy week? Then stop in for brunch this Saturday or Sunday. Try it once and it will become one of your favorite restaurants. Misfits and Broussard, just south of La Triomphe. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers. And the Houston Astros, again, you can watch a simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. Didn't have much time for phone calls in the first hour. Whole second hour, open phone lines. If you would like to get in, call the game hotline again at 706-0111. Could talk about Major League Baseball. Could talk about the NFL, any thoughts about college football, you know, in the last three weeks or so. We've gone through SEC media days and some about media days and UL media day and uh, last week. And, you know, it will be very interesting to see how things go in the Cajuns. It, it's if you read, you don't have to read too hard between the lines. Uh, I had a story over the weekend at theadvocate.com about um, – the quarterback scenario and all the things playing into that. Going to have an article in the next day or so about how wide receivers will be a position that the offense will be leaning upon for the first time in quite a while. You know, this has been a 
running back, offensive line driven offense for even before Coach Napier got here. But it appears that the, the talk is, or the hope, and the plan is that this is going to be a wide receiver driven offense. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, um, you know, again, there's not a huge amount of frame of reference for that. And you have two totally unproven quarterbacks to make that happen. And so it will be it will be very interesting to see how that plays out. Again, this offseason in these parts, and we talked about it yesterday, are just, just filled with unknowns, filled with question marks. And so it's kind of hard to really know what to expect. And, again, any comments anybody has on any of that, certainly feel free to call the game hotline at 706-0111, Hannah just reminded me that uh, Olivia Newton-John died yesterday. And, you know, I, I, I liked her as a very young kid as a country music star. I think most people talk about Greece. Greece, I got to tell you, never meant much to me. Like my wife and daughters have seen that both Greases a million times, and I, I don't like singing in movies, so I, I just don't. Now, I'm not saying it was the worst thing for me for see Olivia Newton-John singing "Hopelessly Devoted to You" because I like Olivia Newton-John as a kid, uh, but I, I actually prefer her as a country. A lot of people don't remember she was actually. Um, a country star. You never want to press B seventeen. I'm just telling y'all. You don't want to do that. But anyway, it's I. So I don't like musicals. Never did like musicals. And so I, I was not a fan of that. I was more a fan of her before that. And then you know I've still has some forty fives from her more non country pop. You know, honestly love you and never been mellow and that kind of stuff. But now the whole physical thing. I was in high school when she was doing that. I was like, what What are you doing? I mean, you know, everybody does. You know, certain. But anyway. Uh, yeah, that was that. That was kind of sad. Kind of makes you feel old. I can still remember the first time, the first picture I ever think I saw her was. It was in one of those. This this is gonna date how old I am. Um, there used to be something called a uh, song hits. I think it was called. They would sell these little magazines. I don't know, early to mid-70s, I guess. And and they would have these little magazines, and it would have all the words to the songs that were hot at the time. I don't know if it was called Song. I don't know the name of the magazine. It was. It was. Song Hits? Uh-huh. And, um, and I remember, I don't know, I was probably six, maybe seven years old, and I met, they had a picture of her. I'm like, man, she is beautiful. You know, I mean, I was like, whoa. Um, oh, yeah. She was a very much a pretty woman. I mean, to have, like, uh, as I was telling you off air, that, like, my nanny, if I was in trouble, it wasn't just, as my mom would say, Hannah Grace. It was Hannah Grace, Olivia Newton-John. It's, you know, oh, I'm coming. I'm sorry. What did I do? But to be, to have, to use her name as, like, a, telling it's a bad name, it's a nickname for me. Yeah. It's using her full name, it, like, it was amazing because she was, she's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful, absolutely beautiful voice, too. Yes, I agree. And so, no, sad, sad, sad day. Speaking of things from a long time ago, I, someone sent me something yesterday. We don't talk. Oh, no. we, we talked about this over the years, but we don't. We haven't talked about it as much lately. But 
I got someone sent me a link that General Mills is bringing Fruit Brute back. What? Cereal. Fruit Brute. That's way before your time. Uh, Yeah. Now, the Monster Cereals, they kind of did away with them a little bit. The Monster Cereals now is not the same Monster Cereals I ate in the 70s and, 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 and into the 80s. Not the same. It's not the same cereal. It's worse now than it was then. But... For the longest time, they had Frankenberry, Count Chocula, and Fruit Brute. I mean, and, uh, and Booberry. But when I was a kid, for a short period of time, there was a werewolf, and, and, there, was a, and, and there was Fruit Brute. I still remember. I have this memory. My uh, um, Arthur Bork came to my house in, in one sitting. We ate a whole box of Fruit Brute. But they're bringing fruit brute back. That kind of fires me up. But I, but the bad that's the good thing. The bad thing is again the cereal. It doesn't taste. It, it's not made the same way now that it was back then. So it won't be exactly the same. But kind of cool. So is it basically? It seems so it's it's a says artificial cherry flavor frosted cereal with spooky fun marshmallows. Yeah, you so know they all have marshmallows and. Is it kind of like a like an older version, I guess, of Lucky Charms? Is that? Eh, it wasn't. It, it wasn't as good as Lucky Charms. No, not not as good as Lucky. Mm. But that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Now they have you fruity, know, yummy, mummy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they did have yummy mummy for a while. That's true. Later, yes. But I I, I was never a fan. I like Fruit Brute because I think the little werewolf looked cooler than the Frankenberry and the Blueberry. I, I like the little cool. werewolf. So for those of us who were serial fans <laughs> in the seventies and eighties, I just ran across that yesterday. So yesterday was kind of a nostalgic day for me. I heard about Fruit Brute coming back, and Olivia Newton-John died. Yeah, kind of sad. It was a sad. Seems a sad, but it's a good old. day. <laughs> but the sad thing about the cereal thing is, I I know that the cereal they don't make it the same, so that's kind of frustrating, you know. I mean, maybe you'll grow to like this one, and since you you know. They no. also no longer make my favorite Pop-Tarts as a they child. They don't make your favorite Pop-Tarts, and I'm very sorry about any. that. It's ridiculous. If we could figure out exactly how to make, if I could figure out how to get Pop-Tart, I would make them for you. Sad. And it would be a fun time. It'd be like you get back to, you know, tasting with foot. Yeah, it's, 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 we need to, we need to bring it's that definitely kind of sad. Where are your friends at bringing you your random t- candies? <laughs> well, you know, he hadn't done that. He'll, he'll do that soon. Well, we'll have to wait for Thanksgiving. We'll get some more of those candy corn uh, Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> All right, again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. All right, so I said last hour that I, I, I was talking about Adam Troutman and how it's amazing how many Saints fans have just given up on this guy. He's, and has he played great? No, he hasn't played great. Who on offense played great last season? I mean, let's be honest. Who on offense in a season where the offense was just decimated with injuries, played a million quarterbacks, you know, didn't even have their coaching staff for several of the games. The whole, and, you know, the offensive line was injured. They had no talent at wide receiver through injuries, and it was just a mess. A mess. I mean, you could tell. At times, I'm telling you, there were games, and I I understand, I'm sure Z28 was very frustrated last season. I mean, again, he was still an elite player in the prime of his career, and he had nothing around him, nothing. 
He quit in several games last year. Now, I think he quit because he's like, man, I can't get hurt playing with all these donkeys and an offense that's not doing anything. It's hard to watch, but I think it really happened last season. So you, you, my assessment is you can't judge anyone on offense. Like some people went into the season all high on Callaway and came out of the season down on Callaway. Well, he was ha- he was a number three or number four receiver that was having to be a number one receiver on an awful offense. Like how could anyone make any long-term, ju- long-term judgments based on any offensive player that played for the Saints last year? The problem is people can't think, they can't process that stuff. And so it kind of made me, um, I kind of said, well, kind of like I've been telling you with people talking about the Saints, Ryan Clark yesterday, I heard him say, does anybody, has everyone, basically he said this, has everyone forgotten? He said, I keep hearing all this hate and these negative reports or predictions about the Baltimore Ravens. Did And he said something like, did everybody forget that they were decimated by injuries last year? And the answer is not everybody, but most people can't think that far back. Like we're all prisoners of the moment. I I hear people say all the time, oh, big sleepers this year to Baltimore. Sleepers? Have you seen how many games this team's won in the last decade? How could the Baltimore Ravens be a sleeper? I mean, have the ability to count the past three. I mean, it's just amazing. And that's basically what Ryan Clark was saying. He's like, did y'all not remember that this team was just decimated by injuries last year? It's the only reason they didn't make the playoffs. And so these people are acting like the Baltimore Ravens are this big up-and-coming um. You know, ooh, they're a sleeper pick. A sleeper pick? You got to be comatose to not remember that they were really good just about every year, and last year they just happened to be decimated by injuries. (laughs) I don't know why that's so hard to figure out. So I was like, hello, McFly, when, um, when Ryan Clark said that. It's amazing to me. People can't, like, everything's about last season. Everybody's so it's such a prisoner at the moment. Of course the Baltimore Ravens should be picked high. Of course they're not a sleeper. I, I mean, uh, it, you just, I'm not saying you automatically dismiss that season like, you know, we Saints fans do the Katrina season, but it's kind of like that. I mean, it's like, and it's like the Saints last year. When you're that injured, you, you can only draw so many conclusions as you analyze a team or a player or a unit moving forward when you come off of that kind of season. Now, to be fair, those are people who are not high on the Ravens. Is it a guarantee that all those players who were hurt last year are going to be healthy this year? No, there are no guarantees. That part is true. But in terms of the Ravens, J.K. Dobbins supposedly is healthy. Lamar Jackson is in a really precarious situation. Does anybody really think that guy is not going to be, and there's no reason to think that he ever wasn't, but not going to be maximum, have maximum motivation? I mean, you're talking about 
a guy who has put up some pretty unique numbers so far in his career, if you buy what's going on right now, he's betting on himself, and he's going to, if he doesn't sign a long-term contract, there's a lot people starting to think this cat's going to bet on himself and play this year to try to break the bank if he has a great season. That's a, it's a, you know, there are a lot of people around the league that are like, are you crazy? Don't show up if you don't sign the long-term contract. But there are people that it's starting, that are starting to believe he's going to show up. He's going to play, even if he doesn't sign his long-term deal. And he's going to kind of bet on himself. And, uh, something tells me he's not going to play poorly. Plus, the Ravens are going to have a chip on, and they addressed a lot of their defensive issues. Now, I I still don't love their depth at wide receiver, but again, they don't need the same kind of passing game that other people need. They're very tight end oriented. They're still fine there. Uh, it, it's a anybody who I just think is laughable to call the Baltimore Ravens a sleeper pick. That is just laughable. And really, it's in my mind, it's laughable to call the Saints a sleeper. That's just laughable. That's just people that can't pass. They can't get, like, two years ago, never happened to them. I mean, it's just, like, three years ago, never happened for them. Four years ago, never happened for them. Five years ago, never happened for them. Man, it's like injuries. You have to be able to process that. You have to put everything through a filter. Unbelievable. A lot of similarities. Now, I'm not their offenses are not the same, but a lot of similarities between in an era of seven on seven football for a lot of teams. Teams like the Cheaters and the Saints and the Ravens, they're very physical. Um, I would not discount any of those teams. Very word, very word to Cheaters. Um, are going to be really good this year. And there's really a lot of similarities between the Cheaters and the Ravens. And if I'm not I'm not as high on Trey Lance as everyone else, but I am high on the way the Cheaters play football. And again, the Cheaters should have been in the Super Bowl last year. All the guy had to do is catch the ball. Catch the ball, cat. It's a can of corn. All right, we will take a timeout again. The game hotline is open, 706-0111. We'll get to some other NFL issues as well as Major League Baseball next on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You can call in and say Pete Rose deserves to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. You can call and proclaim that the Houston Astros were the only team that stole signs. Just know this. Foot will disagree with you. Call into Footnotes with Kevin Foot at 337-706-0111. Back to more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. 
You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. If you would like to get in, talk about Major League Baseball, Cajun Saints. Uh, again, still waiting for some uh, comment, you know, from McNeese. Uh, any McNeese fans that are listening that want to call and help us out with our uh, what should the floor of acceptable records be for the McNeese Cowboys this year? Some say seven and five. I mean, uh, six and five, um, seven and four. Hmm. I'd be interested to see how that plays out as well. So any uh, Saints. Again, if you heard yesterday about Jameis's injury, all signs point toward it's okay for now. We'll see how that plays out. For those of you who are, before we get to that, want to remind you about the game clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. If you have not joined yet, you don't have a chance to win $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse, a $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar and Grill, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. If you want to win all those prizes and other great prizes, including Astro tickets, you have to join the Game Clubhouse. So do so today, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. For those of you who are ready or you know want to watch some preseason football, the Saints are going to be playing on Saturday at 7 on on KTC locally, Channel 3. So uh, there will be an in a, the NFL Network is doing a lot of preseason football this weekend, including Thursday, the Giants against the Patriots. So, you know, because of Kevin, there are a lot of people who uh, still follow the Patriots. And so um, that game is at 6 o'clock, and that will be on the NFL Network. Giants at Patriots. Friday's schedule on NFL Network. Falcons at Lions. Ugh, that's an ugly game. And then the Packers at the Cheaters um, at 7.30. Saturday's schedule includes the Chiefs at the Bears. What a Bears. What a mess. By the way, if you haven't heard, one of their best players, Roquan Smith, the former Georgia linebacker, he 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 wants to be traded. The Chicago Bears, what a mess they are. The Colts at the Bills, Saturday at 3 o'clock. The Seahawks at the Steelers, Saturday at 6 o'clock. I don't know how they're going to pull this off. At 8 o'clock, it says NFL Network is doing the Cowboys at the Broncos. Well, how are you going to have a game at 6 and 8? I don't know, but that's what the schedule says. Uh, but again, for those of you who are wondering about where the Saints are going to be on, you can see it on KDC Channel 3. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. How's it going, Foot? Pretty good. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. You ready for football? I don't know. I'm trying to get ready for football really hard. I keep, I keep hearing every day you talking about my team, saying how they are mature, calling my coach a punk, he's saying how. Every time the guy would have caught the ball, they would have lost and all well, that. That's so true. Why, why, why do you hate my team so much, Kevin? Well, I don't hate. I really. Well, I mean, I, I've disliked the Rams most of my life, and and uh, but no, I, I am not been real impressed with how they've handled themselves since they won the Super Bowl. But but that's okay. I mean, you're like most. Mo- very few teams can overcome medicine seasons. That's just part of life in 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 
in sports. But, you know, the definition of a medicine, your medicine season is not the Rams. That's going to be the definition. Oh, of no, I, I, I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I, I agree with the Bengals. I agree you know, both. I don't think, you know, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs myself. You know, I think that Baltimore is going to come back up, and I also think Pittsburgh is going to also be better uh, this year, too, for them. But, uh, Kevin, I read an article this morning uh, about uh, the, all the uh, baseball teams after all the trades that come through. To rating all the farm systems and what they were, uh, you know, Baltimore is ranked number one in the farm uh, farm system uh, uh, with no. all their uh, stock they have over the accumulated over the years. Do you think, would you have believed that? I mean, I, I didn't know enough about the Orioles farm system, but uh, but no, obviously they got a pretty good one now. Seattle had a good one now. I don't know where did they have them ranked now after getting rid of all the players, and the Dodgers have had a, and the Padres have had a. Had a good one, but I don't know where they would rank now after getting rid of the players they did. Padres, Padres, Padres almost flat. I mean, they, 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 I think they have them like third or fourth to the bottom. Now, you know, I'm surprised they had the Astros pretty low too, Kevin. I mean, your farm system, uh, have y'all been, uh, I, I know all the years they were bad, y'all had all these players drafted, which would be real good, but most of them have come to the system and now are playing, right? I mean, that's correct. Probably why yeah, plus you didn't have your, your top three picks for a couple yeah. of years because of all that sign-stealing foolishness. So, uh, you know, so yeah, their, their system is not in great shape. Now, where the Astros have really blown up is they do a great job on that international signing stuff. You know, that's where they got Altuve and some of the other guys. Luis Garcia and some of these guys. So they do a great job in the international signings. But, yeah, um, the Astros don't have a great form system, no doubt about it. And, you know, another team I was surprised to see has a bad form system, the Detroit Tigers. You know, they, they've been bad for a minute, too, now. You know, and they evidently haven't been drafting good. You know, it's just not just automatic. If your team's been bad, you're going to be good. You know, your form system's going to accumulate good players. You have to know what you're doing. The Astros did know what they were doing when they were back in the day losing games, and that's where they are right now. And I actually think Baltimore might be that team. I see Allen in a couple of years. I think they've they, got a lot of young players moving up. But my point is, just because you're bad and you, you're drafting early doesn't mean you could be good. You have to know what you're doing. With that's drafting. true. No, absolutely, you're correct. Uh, you're correct. No, I look. I don't think the I think the Astros have done a great job. What 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 your little team has done is unbelievable in the consistency that they do it. And I I don't like the fact that they are become the Yankees on steroids, but they also have a great form system too. It's not like you know the, they do go out and get whoever they want, and they do have an all star team, but they also have a great form system, and that's how they're able to do a lot of that. So you know, you know as much as I hate them, I I give them a lot of respect and credit as well. All these teams, Kevin, they're just like big businesses. It's how well you run your business. Anything, you know, you do like Walmart, uh, Dollar General, uh, you know, UPS, whatever. It's how well your business is run. And the same thing goes there. So, so I just, let me also consider the Astros. The Astros are well with business too, Kevin. So, you know, my kudos to the Astros are all for other teams. But you're right. My thought just being the fourth-ranked farm system for where they're picking out every year is, is a tribute to how well they run business. It right, is. It, it's incredible. The only hope that any of us will have, other than the fact that the game is the game, the game of ba- the great game of baseball, it creates some uncertainty. Is that y'all continue to do historic things and, and get the and get the um the Piper very angry. I, I I keep hoping that the Dodgers just keep doing these historically great things so the Piper can get angry and 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 snatch him in the playoffs. Well, you just love to talk bad about all my teams, but you have a good day. <laughs> 
No, I'm saying y'all are unbelievable. No, the Dodgers, it's it's unbelievable what what they're doing right now. They they um they they're having a tremendous season against some obstacles and uh they're going to be tough to beat, no question. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin, uh, you know, listening to you uh, talk about the cereals this morning uh, certainly brought back nostalgia, and I just wanted to uh, wish my condolences to all the kids of the, I guess probably starting in the 90s, but definitely the the 2000s that never got to experience the thrill of opening a cereal box with a with a genuine prize inside that was awesome, you know, and and. And, and it was always at the bottom of the box. So, so you know, if your mom lets you dig all, all the way, otherwise you just ate a lot of cereal to get to that prize. And, I mean, you know, you couldn't dream of doing that nowadays with, with attorney. I don't know when kids started swallowing everything, uh, you know. But, uh, I mean, that in Cracker Jack, I mean, you had great prizes in Cracker Jack. Now you get a sticker. A sticker. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it very little is as good as it used to be. I agree. Yes. Music oh man! Is I mean, not even I, I ate cereal that I didn't really care for because the prizes were so good in it. You know, I mean, I, I wasn't a big honeycomb fan, but they had great prizes in honeycomb, so I ate the honeycomb because the prize was so good. I, I miss I those days, but <laughs> but uh, hey, uh, I like alphabets too. I don't think they have that anymore. No, that's that's uh, that's gone too. Uh, I used to be a, a kind of a well. I was always Captain Crunch, but but uh, Cocoa Puffs I used to like because it turned the milk chocolate, you know, and I, I I used to like that part of it. But um, Cocoa Krispies anyway, is uh, the best chocolate milk made cereal produced. Is but anyway, go ahead. What which one? Cocoa Krispies makes the best chocolate. Oh, milk. Cocoa Krispies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and plus it made the cool popping sounds. Too. Yes. Um, I used to like the little Cookie Crisp cereal too. It didn't really turn the milk all that Ooh, much, but no, uh, that's good. Yes. But, but that was pretty good, yeah. Um, but no, uh, what I want to say was, isn't it amazing how all these NFL preseason, you know, uh, rankings have the Saints as bottom third roster in the league, bottom third. Everything I saw, bottom third. Now all of a sudden, Ian Rappaport makes a visit to Saints camp and says they have a very, very talented roster. And boom, man, you know, now all the pundits are jumping on board on the Saints, and it's like. It's just incredible uh, the, the the media world that we live in today, and and like you were talking about, you know, with the the Ravens last year, it's just such a I don't know what have you done. Again, people have can't think for themselves. Again, like I we we say it all the time. I, I know I'm critical of what I call the national guys, but it, 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 we're the same way about other teams. Like no one know no one nationally knows anything about the Saints. It, unless you watch all the games, you don't know. You're just going by what somebody tells you. You don't know anything. Those national guys don't know anything about the Saints. Nothing. And yeah. so they just don't know. I, I, I get it, man. But, um, you know, I wanted to ask you uh, what you thought about the chances. And I know it's probably a long shot, but um, every day I've been kind of reading uh, some positive stuff on Kirk Merritt uh, at, at wide receiver and – Man, I think he brings a dimension. You know, I'm not saying we lack him because we have Hardy, but but uh, but well, he has elite speed and and plus good size to go with it as and physicality as well. I, I, again, you know what I mean? Training camp is training camp. You know, we we all remember Onamay Ojo. You know, and and uh, but 
Um, and Adrian kind of Arrington. I wonder what Adrian Arrington's doing right now. Oh, God. You remember? Yeah. I remember that, man. I know. it. And uh, who was the other uh, guy? Well, he I don't think he ever made it to preseason, but he was the big defensive tackle, and supposedly he could do a backflip over the offensive lineman. He was Walter something was his name, and they were all just going crazy over this guy in training camp because of his – he was like 340 pounds, and he could he could backflip over the offensive line. <laughs> but but getting back uh, yeah. to Kurt Merritt, like I, I don't I, I you know again it, I don't know what they're gonna I don't know what opportunities he has. Supposedly he's like a Ty Montgomery in that he could play running back a little bit and wide receiver. But I mean I don't know I don't see where there's any spots for him. I I don't I don't see how he can now he could be on the practice squad, but I don't see how he's gonna you know get any higher than yeah. that i don't see yeah, it. i don't well, see the posit the opportunity there i mean i think the only way would be if um you know if they would put trey Quan on the on the trade block i mean you got a couple of interesting you know running back prospects possibly up for trade and i'm not i don't even think we necessarily need to go down that road this year i'm pretty much convinced that camara is not not going to be suspended this this year and i think we can survive this year, but we probably think Ingram might retire after this year. And I, unless one of these young guys step up, I think we'll need a, uh, you know, definitely upgrade that that position uh, going forward. And then I heard you talk about the linebacker too. But look, Kevin, we signed Chase Hansen. What more do you want? I mean, we got that solved now, right? Well, like you know, first of all, this Alonzo thing happened last year when he, when they, when he signed. I'm like, what is? I don't even understand that. And then he he retired in one day. You know, they they signed a couple guys, defensive linemen. They signed a cornerback like Jordan Brown. He has no chance to make this team. So sometimes you sign these guys just to get through camp. It's not really you're signing guys that can make the team. No, but they do need they uh, with uh, Demarco Jackson hurt right now. They, they five healthy linebackers, and I don't think you want to play the Mario Davis. Uh, R.P. Warner in the in the, in the preseason, if right. he can help. No, him. I agree. I agree. Yeah, you, you just need some bodies to get through the preseason right now. And I don't uh, think Hanson's terrible. I, he did okay while he was here. Uh, I don't think he's terrible. Yeah, but, you know, it's time. It really is time for Zach Bond. He, he's got to he's got to step up. I mean, when you what you invested in him, uh, uh, I'm not saying with you know, but third round pick, uh, he has shown nothing uh, so far except for special teams ability, but. Uh, it's time for that guy to step up. But anyway, um, all right, buddy. Well, uh, uh, thanks. And w- so they discontinued the unfrosted uh, brown sugar cinnamon. Is that what you're saying? On what cereal? And okay. All right, man. Well, uh, no, no, no. Oh, you talking about Pop Tarts? No, they they, they don't yeah, make no. they don't make chocolate vanilla cream anymore. That was my favorite. Oh. Okay, I thought I thought the unfrosted brown sugar cinnamon. No, was the no, 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 no. I, I that's probably number two. But my all-time okay. favorite growing up was the chocolate vanilla cream, and they don't do that anymore. Yeah, it, you know, there's a lot of gra- grassroots efforts to bring stuff back. You know, you just need to start a petition. Yes, you got the. Yep. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. Right. No, look, if you've not done this. The, the 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 brown sugar cinnamon pop tarts right out of the toaster put butter on top oh is that good but i still that that what uh, i didn't pick that up till probably like around high school 
going back to when I was younger than that, my, my, you know, I always got the chocolate vanilla cream. That's the, you know, that's the, the, I would have to rank that number one. I would have to put the cinnamon number two. Three would probably be the strawberry Pop-Tarts. I like strawberry Pop-Tarts, too. I always preferred strawberry over grape. That's why I ate a lot of Frankenberry and not much blueberry. But anyway, let's uh, take a time out. If you want to talk about cereal, I'm always game. I mean, I'm always game to talk cereal, but we can talk sports, too. We'll be back on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. August 9th, 1975. The first NFL game in the Louisiana Superdome takes place. The Houston Oilers defeat the New Orleans Saints 13-7 in a preseason contest. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers. And the Houston Astros want to remind you about Astro Getaway 4. You could win four tickets to Astros versus Orioles on Saturday, August the 27th. A tour of Minute Maid Park and hotel accommodations for that Saturday evening. But first, you have to join the game clubhouse if you do and you win these tickets. Uh, you could see a great – it's, it's going to be a night of orange. The Astros versus the Baltimore Orioles. Astro weekend getaways powered by Butcher Air Conditioning. La Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. Let's go to the game hotline see what Paul's got to say. Hello. Morning, Foot. How's it going? Pretty good, sir. How are you? Oh, I'm having a good day. I'm having a good day. Better than the, the last few weeks and days, you know. Yes. Got to enjoy the wins when you get them. But Absolutely. I would not let you, Stevie P, and all of y'all rile me up and make me talk trash and drink my team again. I'm not going to let that happen. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to put my wagons before my horse this time. I'm not going to let y'all get to it. Yes. But I, good I plan. You, but look, y'all talking about that cereal. Look, man, you got me want to eat some cereal. Miss Hannah missed out on some good one. That call that called about the prize at the bottom, man. Look, brought back some good memories, man. Absolutely. He was sure is right. Yes. Now, Foot, you left out two things, two important things. Now, I found out you was in Yankee Land over the weekend. You didn't tell us that. But yeah, la- la- that last like weekend, we, yeah, we took a little trip to – well, again, Yankee Land technically for me is anything north of Mamu, but we, we, oh, we went all the Mamu. way up to like uh, – Went through, um, you know, well, Illinois and Indiana. Indiana saw saw where the Colts play, and that's mm-hmm. a huge, huge stadium. So yes. So you love going to Yankee Land. You didn't, but you left that out. But you put RP three out there. <laughs> but okay, that this is another one. Now I found out from a close friend of yours. Okay, now I saw a nice, lovely picture of you and your wife when y'all was young. Beautiful picture. 
But I was told that's when you was a Yankee fan. No, you never. never those of you used to support the Yankees. No, Flip. never a Yankee fan. That never happened. No, I don't think this man is lying. Flip. Look, I've told I've told a story before. I can remember 1977. I was in the uh, seventh grade, and mm. we were in Miss Collins's English class in the Butler mm. Building behind Judy's Elementary. And the Yankees were playing the Red Sox. And, I mean, the Yankees were playing the Dodgers in the World Series. And, uh, you know, get no, no, this would have been 78. So Gidry was the um, Gidry, you know, was having the big year. So everybody around here was a Yankee fan. And so she said, OK, for the World Series, everybody who's a Yankee fan can can decorate this side of the room. And everyone who was pulling for the Dodgers can decorate this side of the room. And the whole class, and there were probably like 25 or 30 kids in this class, me and Angel Burke were the only one pulling for the, well, I didn't call them the punks back then. They were the Dodgers. And so we had to, de- uh, it was two versus like 28. Uh, so you didn't you didn't choose the Yankee side? Did not choose the Yankee side, no. Me and well, Angel were the only one that decorated on the Dodgers side. But this guy, he guaranteed me you was a Yankee fan. Never, for, and never. I, I gotta believe it because you supported the Cowgirls at one time. I've so, never, I mean, I've never pulled for the Celtics or the Yankees, but I respect the Yankees way more than the Celtics. Nah, uh, Foot, I'm not gonna believe. I believe you. I believe that man was not lying. You leaving that out? That's all I'm saying, Foot. <laughs> And not, 1975 was a big year for me because, like, that's when I started to kind of like the. Um, um, the Cowboys because they broke Fran Tarkenton's heart, and I figured anybody who broke Fran Tarkenton's heart is good people. So I, until they hired, <laughs> until they hired Stalin to be their coach, I kind of always pulled for the Cowboys and the Red Sox because I really, you know, Yaz and Fred Lynn and Jim Rice, Rico Petroselli. I started liking the Red Sox that that year as well. Well, well I'm gonna let you know this before I go for it. By this close friend of yours, letting me know that. Oh, this gift I'm gonna get you for this gonna be awesome. This gonna be a home run. <laughs> Somebody misinformed you, huh? Somebody misinformed you. No, I think they were telling the truth. Oh, I believe they're telling the truth. I never don't pulled for the big bully on the block to to beat up the little kid. But, I never. But pulled don't for worry. That. Be prepared for your gifts. Oh, no, well, I got a good surprise for you. For okay. <laughs> you I hope there's a, a box oh, of cereal yeah. involved. Certainly not true. Uh, no, I just know. I, you know, I've always kind of pulled, and I understand. You say, "Well, how could you pull for the Cowboys?" I don't. I just, I just hated the Minnesota Vikings. I don't know what it was. Got cheated a few times, and got pummeled. Like the Vikings just pummeled the Saints. Just pummeled. Them. I don't know. You know, they, they did in the Jim Mori era and they did in the 70s. So that's why, you know, when the Saint, what was that, the opener of 78, could be a year off, when they beat the Vikings 31-24 at home and Tommy Myers had a 97-yard interception return for a touchdown. What a great victory that was. People don't understand. You know, I know some people think there were no great victories in that era, but anytime you beat the Vikings, it was a great victory. Hated the Minnesota Vikings. Hated the Raiders. Those are just like I, those are ugly Gestapo outfits. You can't pull for those people. Awful. And so yeah, when the when the Cowboys did that, I'm like, oh man. Drew Pearson got to be top five. Top f- my favorite top five all time player that didn't play for the Saints. Drew Pearson, great play. 
But now, you know, they're so disgusting. It's just totally different. Once you, once you sell your soul to the devil and you, and you get Stalin to be your head coach, eh, I'm out. I'm out the back door. For years, people used to say, Bill Walsh, you hate Bill Walsh, you hate the cheaters, but if he was your coach, you'd like him. No, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. I'd rather, you'd love him if, you know, I wouldn't. I'd rather lose than have those people coaching me. I'd rather lose than have 1680 or Bill Walsh have anything to do with the Saints. I'd rather lose. I went on my own, and the Saints went on their own. They didn't need their help. And the Cowboys didn't even win when Stalin was there, so that was... That was a stupid thing to do to sell your soul to that guy. All right. Uh, we will take a timeout. Come back. Finish out today's show. Got a little hungry with all this cereal talk. Golden Grams. Man, if you ever had a bowl of Golden Grams, man, is that good. We'll be back on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers. Houston Astros covered a lot on today's show. Talked a little Cajun basketball. Uh, they're about to make a trip to Puerto Rico. Um, I guess technically I went to Canada, visited Victoria, British Columbia as part of my trip to Asia on the Alaskan cruise. Other than that, I've never been in another country. So that'll be an interesting um, scenario and, and situation and experience for them. Talk some, a little bit of Saints football, uh, Major League Baseball. So a little college football. We covered some base, different bases today. Uh, Astros were off yesterday. Hopefully that will rejuvenate the bats. It's been such a struggle this year. I mean, they haven't always had the greatest team, but since they started, you know, since 2017, I don't ever remember them being 15th, 16th in runs scored in the major leagues. I mean, they've just – it's been a, it's been a, like pulling teeth this year. And, again, the Astros will play tonight against the Rangers, Minute Maid Park, 7-10 first pitch, and you can hear all the action right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. Again, interesting scenario. You've got Jose Arquiti who is among the league leaders and certainly leads the Astros in pitchers with getting run support this year against Martin Perez, who owns the Astros, and the Astros ain't scored a run in about 72 hours. So um, very, you know, on one hand, you say, oh, they're not going to score some runs. On the other hand, they kind of always score runs for Arquiti. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out as well as what lineup. Like, you know, for a while there – Dusty, you know, kind of had – well, first of all, is Dusty even going to be there? I don't know because he he missed the weekend series with, with COVID. Um, and so um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, every game now. Who are they going to play? Is Yuli going to start? Is Mancini going to play first? Is Mancini going to DH? Is Alimus going to be in left field? You know, who's going to be catching? Who's in center field? So many options. And the – Problem is, I don't know how many of them are any good. So we'll see how that plays out tonight. Astros begin a three-game series at home with the Rangers. And, again, you can hear all the action right here. Appreciate the phone calls. Y'all have a nice day.